The Ringers Gaming Podcast, achievement-oriented, and our wrestling podcast, The Mass Man Show, are breaking off of Channel 33. You can now subscribe to each of them on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to The Ringer NFL Show. My name is Robert Mays. I'm a writer at The Ringer. Joining me on the other lines, Kevin Clark. Kevin, how are you? I'm buried under news. <laughs> I uh, I think we recorded an hour or two early yesterday. That's going to be my my stance on the whole thing. Wait till like wait, wait till wait else. till we we finish recording here and what happens after that. Whatever it's going to be. So. I think the reaction I had to the Matt Khalil trade has been something that people enjoyed over the last 24 hours. I don't know what would have happened if the Osweiler trade had gone on while we were live and I was in front of a microphone. I'm not, I think we would all be out of jobs. <laughs> I didn't know what to say, really. I didn't, I, 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 I didn't have, a, I, I thought it was, it was one of those things where I had to click on Adam Sheffer's profile to make sure everything was real. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I felt the same way. I was like, oh, this is definitely not real. And then I had to read it like seven times. <laughs> I, it was, I, it was, I've had few, fewer, surreal, more surreal experiences than that. So let's break it down. I mean, you wrote about this yesterday right after it happened. Sure. I wrote about it today as kind of one of my five takeaways from the free agency opening, because how could it not be? I mean, it's the most notable thing that happened yesterday and trade-wise in a while. And this is slightly similar to what happened with DeMarco Murray last year. Teams giving up assets just to get rid of a guy. It's not, but not quite to this extent, not with this big of a name, not with this big of a failure. And I feel like that's why it's even possible. DeMarco Murray was going to be a contributor and he was a contributor. Yes. And the fact that they wanted to get out of the Osweiler deal so badly. I mean, I assume everyone listening to the show knows what happened. If you don't, I don't know why you listen to this show, but the Browns managed to trade. Could you imagine? Could you imagine <laughs> just the person who just gets all their news from this show? It would be incredible. I think my mom. My mom listens to this show and has no idea who Brock Osweiler is. That may be it. Yeah, my mother may be the one person, and your mother, I guess. The two people in America who will find out about the Osweiler trade from us. <laughs> so the details are, are clear by now. The Texans give up a second round pick and Brock Osweiler and swap fourth round picks. Correct. Do I have that right. Yes. And swap fourth round picks with the, te- with the Browns fourth and, this year. Fourth and sixth. I thought, excuse me, fourth and sixth for Brock Osweiler at, to just to get his contract off the books for Houston. This makes all the sense in the world, right? I mean, you get his cap hit down from 18 million to 9 million. It frees up some space. It gives you a real chance to go after Romo. And more importantly, it gets you out from under the black cloud that is Brock Osweiler. Yeah, I, I think once you have Brock Osweiler on your books, there's nothing you can do. We can make fun of the signing all we want. That's only going to accelerate when we look back on it. But it, it literally was a signing that was so bad and so devastating to a franchise that they essentially had to bring in NBA-style salary dumps. Um, normally, teams are able to get out of a contract every one year to where it's not devastating to the cap, but this was so horrendously bad that they had to, to get rid of a second-round pick just to get rid of the salary. And so, yeah, for Houston... I guess you had to do it, but I also think that if you don't know for a fact that Tony Romo uh, hasn't promised you basically that he's coming, I I just don't know. Are you going to start Tom Savage for 16 games next year? Yes, absolutely. That's better than Osweiler in your opinion? 
it, it's not even that it's better than Osweiler. I just don't think you could trot him back out there for the PR elements of it. You also need to give yourself a shot for Romo. I feel like selling it as we're, we have a chance to go really chase Romo now and Osweiler's gone. I think you pay that price. I understand that it's not value-wise the right choice necessarily, but I just think from every single optics angle and from the Romo angle, I would do this. Yeah, I mean, I guess. You know, I, I don't know. I was just talking to Mike Lombardi, and he was saying, you know, they, they really didn't like him as a person in, in Houston. Yeah. Um, they, they really, like, you know, he wasn't all that coachable, et cetera, et cetera. And so from a locker room standpoint, I guess they couldn't say, by the way, he's our quarterback again. I understand that that part of it. I just I worry a little bit just in the sense that Houston – is a ready-made playoff team. They made the playoffs last year with with Brock Osweiler starting what at 14 games or whatever and starting a playoff game. Um, I just worry that they're going to have a sort of a black hole at at at, at quarterback this year, and that's going to cost people their jobs. It may, but I, I, Brock Osweiler is a black hole. That, that's the thing that I don't worry about. I don't think it's possible for Savage to be that much worse than Brock Osweiler. I really don't. Maybe those words come back to bite me, but I just. Don't see a situation where he's so demonstrably worse that not paying, not getting the nine million dollars off the books that they did wasn't worth it. Yeah, no, I, I look, I generally agree with the move. I'm just saying you better have a plan, and the plan is probably to go try to get Romo. And I know it's going to be tougher now because you gave up an asset to get rid of Osweiler to trade for Romo. We'll see if the Cowboys eventually blink. You know, that's the next big domino to fall is whether. Dallas does eventually decide this isn't worth whatever peanuts we're going to get. Let's just cut them and move on. But what's it doesn't going, seem like they're can, doing can, that. Can someone explain me what's going on with with Dallas? They're going to cut them. They're trying to get something out I of I know, it. but they were going to cut him, but maybe they were going to trade him. And then it was, well, he was never going to get cut. What the hell? Just make up your mind, guys. This is fun that you know there was all that talk of they're going to do right by Romo and everything else. Like, no, no mm. they, you know what this business is? Fuck no. everybody. Gonna, I'm going to do what's right by me. They're going to trade him to the Browns to dump space. Yeah, I don't think they're trying to do right by anybody at this point. I mean, if they want to do right by him, they would have cut him four days ago. So uh, they're trying to get something out of this. And it's hard to blame them. I mean, you're, they're running a business. But all this talk about how much Jerry Jones loves Romo and everything else. Like, okay. All right, this sounds good. Yeah, I'm sure that's going to end up mattering when these things actually start to fall. Well, not only that, remember, the, the Cowboys launched their dynasty by basically ripping off a team for an aging veteran in the Herschel Walker, okay? That doesn't go away. And so when you have an asset like that, in your mind, I mean, when you have an asset like that, it's, eh, maybe someone will trade a second-round pick that turns out to be Michael Irvin. I don't know. First I'm not pick. sure. Second-round pick still seems like a lot just because I feel like these teams are waiting. No, of course. I, I just If you're Houston right now, obviously you just got rid of your second-round pick to get rid of a horrendous quarterback. But if you're Houston right now, aren't you going to panic? Aren't you like, we just made this move to get Tony Romo. We can guarantee ourselves Romo with a third-round well, pick. Well, you also you gave up your second-round pick next year. I mean, you theoretically could trade your second round yeah, pick true. this year, which means you'd be trading two second round picks more or less for Tony Romo because you had you traded one to get the space to bring him in. You traded another to actually get him in the building. If you're Houston, would you trade two second round picks for 37 year old Tony Romo? I don't know. That seems like a lot. Uh, I would. I, I would have to think about it. That's what I, I would think say. You win the Super Bowl, man. I do, too. I, I have said that. We wrote this earlier this week. I think that they absolutely are the team that, with Romo, becomes real. 
that doesn't feel quite the same way to me with Denver. But we can talk about Romo when this actually starts to happen. Let's hit the Cleveland side of this Osweiler thing. Yeah. So Barnwell did a good job writing about this yesterday. I understand a lot of the things he wrote, trying to figure out the actual value from the picks that were moved. And more or less, it comes out to, say, the 64th pick in the draft when you consider the swap that took place. So it's the end of the second round. Is the end of the second round a guy at that spot worth $16 million? The answer to that is no. But it also is something you have to take into account with the fact that the Browns have an endless amount of money. I, I know it's not endless, and I know the cap rolls over anything else. But at a certain point, isn't enough cap space enough? Well, yeah, I, I, and every basically anyone can manufacture cap space now because everyone else has cap space, so you can just dump contracts on other people. So I, I don't think there's any concern about cap space this year. That's what I mean. I mean, yeah. if you're the Browns, you have 102 million. They spent a bunch of it. Certainly, the money you don't spend rolls over. Where there's no salary floor to worry about. The salary floor calculation starts this season and goes to the next three years. So that doesn't matter how much teams, how much money teams spend this also, year. Also, who cares? Like, yeah, if teams are going to hit the floor. If in 20, but also if you don't, like in 2020, you're going to have to write a check. Like, okay, yeah, to everybody else on your team. Yeah, it doesn't Fine. matter. Here you go, so guys. All that stuff is not worth considering. In my mind, it seems like a ton and if if Osweiler gets cut he gets paid somewhere else if he has offset language then it becomes a little more palatable but even for the 16 in a vacuum on its face it's like eh whatever I I don't mind it I understand the thinking and they're not going to spend all the money they have anyway they're going to have cap space next year a ton of it again it's something that I understand the value doesn't necessarily line up one for one but I don't hate it for either side I agree with you. I agree with you. And I think that, you know, my question on this is now that we have this, now that we have this situation, now that we have this precedent, is this going to be a common thing moving forward? The reasons we haven't seen it before is that teams are usually pretty cash strapped. There isn't this much space floating around for the most part. Teams don't have $102 million to work with. And, and by the way, you can usually get out of a deal pretty easily. And that's the other half of it. So that half is going to continue. The NFL is a place where you can get out of deals pretty quickly. There aren't that many awful contracts. You look at what Jacksonville does every single two years. They sign deals. Some of them are bad. They get out from under them. We start over again. That's just the way the league works. That half will continue. The half where the cap space is going to be available is going to change. The space is going to be there in the next couple of years. So teams will maybe be in a similar situation to what the Browns were in this year. So that half is going to be a reality of the league. But the other half is still going to be the thing that makes this stuff break down, is that you can get out from under without giving up assets, and teams hoard these picks so much that it's not worth giving them up. I know people comparing it to Sam Hinkie. A second-round pick in the NBA is not equivalent to a second-round pick in the NFL. <laughs> Those are two very different things. Yeah, no, I mean, exactly. And that's why I understand, but but Hinkie was getting first-round picks. A lot of it, I mean, yes. Hinkie was getting lottery picks from the freaking Orlando Magic. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> that is fair. But team, I mean, draft picks in the NFL outside of the... Draft picks in the NBA outside of the lottery and draft picks in the NFL in the first three rounds are viewed differently. I mean, they, they're just viewed as well, different types of assets. First three round picks in the NFL with the rookie wage scale, second round picks are so damn important. They're really important. They're very, very cheap. You can find stars in that round. You won't often find them. You're most likely going to find them in the first half of the first round, but you're more likely to find a star NFL player in the second round than a star NBA player. I think that's pretty clear. Yeah. 
That's for damn sure. So the other side of this that I wrote about a little bit, other people were talking about, if the Browns are gearing up for a Garoppolo trade, if they're trying to just stockpile as much as they can to throw a monster offer at the Patriots, this is another second-round pick. I tend to think that if they wanted to make that trade and if New England was willing to make that trade, they didn't need this. This isn't what's going to put them over the top for Garoppolo, but it still is nice to have another two just in your back pocket. Yeah, look, it's a win-win because either you have a second-round pick or you have the ammo to get Garoppolo. Adam Schefter said this morning there's nothing the Browns can offer the Patriots that will get them Jimmy Garoppolo. Outside of the number one pick, probably. Right, right. And even, I mean, I I don't if think... If you're in New England and you don't take the number one pick for Garoppolo, that's insane. I, I don't know, I don't care how much you like him. Miles Garrett for Garoppolo. The only way you would do that the only way you would you would pull a Patriots and say no to that is if you think Garoppolo is will be as good as Tom Brady, and I, I don't see that happening. Yeah, that's a really bad bet. <laughs> I've I've looked at Miles Garrett. I have stood I have stood ten feet from him. If you don't trade Garoppolo for that guy, that's a that's a mistake. I love but again, Miles Garrett. I don't think that is actually a conversation. I mean, there's no possible way the Browns would do that. So I understand it because for five years of Miles Garrett under the rookie wage scale versus one year of Garoppolo, you're going with Garrett. I mean, that's you absolutely are. Yeah, of course. Uh, and then obviously, I mean, we should probably it's obligatory to mention the weird Instagram situation with Garoppolo today. What do we think? Do we think it's just a buddy playing a prank? And if a friend of yours did that, would you be friends with that person anymore? No, I'd be furious. Um, there's a couple things at play here. Number one is I don't understand. It's the same people. It's the same genre of person who creates fake people on fake Twitter. Fake people on Twitter, and I yep. get them all the time. Like people just adding me. Like, oh, I'm fake Ian Rappaport. I'm saying that you know Belichick's retiring. I, I don't really get that um they're trying to get attention and it's it's just kind of bums me out actually um i just i don't know i think danny kelly this week called them the worst kind of people <laughs> I, think, danny, I think danny kelly is the nicest people. person in america i think there are worse people than, <laughs> than the fake twitter people but i think he meant the inter- i mean i think he meant internet person but yes again worse people on the internet but uh yeah no no not not good people not great Right, buddy. I can't uh, believe we found a group of people that Danny Kelly doesn't like. I know. That's the incredible part of all of this. That's how much that's you that's how bad these people are. Just that Danny has a bad word to say about them. Wow. <laughs> all right. Let's move on. Um couple signings that probably are at the top of everybody's list just in terms of the guys that were available. Alshon Jeffrey had not been signed by the time we recorded yesterday. He's going to Philly on a one year deal. It's a fourteen million dollars, which you know no one should shrug at. But it's in my win-win. opinion, it's pretty good, pretty good value for Philly. So when you win. get that's less than the franchise tag, and he's a guy that got franchised last year. He has that kind of talent. And for Philadelphia, in my mind, you get Torrey Smith on what's essentially a one-year deal, only five hundred thousand dollars of his fifteen million is guaranteed, and you get Jeffrey on a one-year deal. And the pairing those two guys together with Sproles, with Ertz, with Ryan Matthews, an offensive line that I think is pretty dang good. They signed Chance Warmack either for depth or to push one of those guys on the inside this year you look at that offense as a whole if Wentz takes a big step forward and that defense can be what I think it can be 
That team becomes pretty real in a hurry. I just want to say, just just as a broad team building thing, these one year prove it deals that a lot of these guys are taking are an incredible value for the team. Hundred percent. Dontari Poe, I don't know if you saw this, um, essentially is looking at, at at a one year deal to try to be a monster, go to a place where he'll be able to rush the passer a little bit more, get a couple of sacks, and then maybe sign a mega contract next year. So the rumor this morning was that he was going to go to Atlanta. I saw if that. If you're Atlanta, hell yeah, I'll take Don Terry Poe for what, uh, 13, 14 million? Yeah, that's oh, a way, great way less. Way, way less? I, he, gets, he gets single digits if he's doing that one-year deal. I promise you God. that. That's because his market's so depressed. He's not worth double digits. I, I wouldn't do that if I were Atlanta. I would give him... Eight and a half million dollars for this season, and I would draw a line in the sand because I would say, "I, cl- you're clearly not getting it from anybody else, buddy." I, I, I would just there, the wiggle room there would not be very much. But if you're, because well, I think you, if you were a team, here's the thing though: if you were, a t- I, if I were a team, I would sign Don Terry Poe to eight million over three for three years. I would sign him to a twenty-four million dollar contract over three years. I'd be fine with that. He's not going to do that though. That's the whole point. What? Because he wants twelve or thirteen down the line. He got twelve or thirteen down the line. But I know, if you but did eight million for no, one but, year. But if you say to him, "Here's twenty four million dollars," I think he might take that. I disagree. Okay, because that twenty four million, how much is that is guaranteed? Sixteen million. If he thinks he can get twelve million a year with a contract next year, he's not taking sixteen million guaranteed over the next two years. Yeah, but there's no. If his market is as bad as you're saying, and Atlanta's really saying we're only going to give you eight million dollars, nine million dollars, then but think then, about think about what you're saying with the thirteen million dollars. That's like the K one short. Franchise tag. Dontari Poe is not that kind of player. He doesn't give you that sort of value. He's not in the same stratosphere as the shorts, the coxes, yeah, but, the suits. But K- K1 Shore, when he comes available, is going to get like $90 million. I think he'll get a contracts maybe a little step down from the Fletcher Cox deals. But those guys are making in the $17 million range, and they're an entirely different version of player. In my mind, there is no po- – Damon Harrison made $9.5 million on average per season with his deal last year. Damon Harrison is 135% of the player that Tari Poe is. Probably true. But Damon Harrison's also just an incredible deal. Oh, I don't think it's an incredible deal. I think they paid – the market they they paid the sticker price for a non pass rushing defensive tackle. I, I, he's I mean he's the bet one of the best run stuffers in the league, if not the best. Number one, yeah. So just for comparison's sake, Brandon Williams is making a little bit less than eleven million dollars a year in his extension from Baltimore, mm-hmm. twenty seven and a half million guaranteed. It puts him a little bit higher than Harrison. I think Harrison's a better player. I think Brandon Williams is a step down from Damon Harrison, and I think he's better than Dantari Poe. So I think yeah, he's that's, making, that's, making three million dollars more than my proposed three-year deal. Yeah, but if you're done, Tari, I don't think you're taking that three-year deal. I think you Maybe. believe you deserve a deal like this, but clearly he's not getting one. Maybe, yeah. I mean, I just I, I'm saying if I were a GM, I, I if I by the way, I mean, how, how much cap money do the Falcons even have? Not a ton. No, I mean, so we're, we're, I, they he may be even. Less than we're talking about for one year if he actually signs with the Falcons. If I were a G, all I'm saying is if I were a GM, I would find some value with all of the crazy contracts going around. I'd find some value to get Dontari Poe in my in my building for for a deal that would be team friendly. I think he would take it. Atlanta has 14 million dollars in cap space according to over the cap. Right. As we guess, they need some flexibility, stand. obviously. Yes, I mean you will see. They don't have many. Obvious cuts. They're apparently negotiating a true font extension, so they don't have a ton of money to work with. 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is the the great Dontario Poe debate of 2017, just riveting. <laughs> this is where we are, though. This is the second wave of free agency. This is the, these are the conversations we have to have. Hopefully, there will be a couple more newsy bits today. You know, I think Lombardi also tweeted today that uh, Brandon Cooks, they're, they they want to make a decision today what they're going to do with him. I'm still curious about what's going to happen with that. I still think the Titans are the best move there. Taking the 18, I think if you're the Titans, you give up the 18. And I like a lot of the stuff that... Ten- I, all right, let me be clear. I don't like a lot of the stuff on a value basis that Tennessee has been doing, but Tennessee is getting better. They have gotten better in the last two days based on the de- the signings they've made on defense. You're going to overpay in free agency. It's That's clear. But Jonathan Cyprian and Logan Ryan are both pretty darn good players that are going to get overpaid, but they're going to make you better in the short term. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with you. I just... I think we need to recalibrate everything we think about free agency and value and all that because i talked to les need last week and he's, he made a very funny point is that the, the, the market we always say oh this player sets the market here the market is now not a year-to-year structure it's a deal-to-deal structure and so i think that we have to we, I think we look too much and we just sort of grade these things in a vacuum compared to this player, this player. Oh, well, you know. I totally agree. And, and I think we need to realize that the cap's going to be rising $10 million every year and that it's basically we're, we're going to have to give a little distance before we start judging these. You know, obviously the, the, the Khalil deal is so ridiculous we can make fun of it now, but there are some deals that we're going to look back and say, eh, that wasn't so bad. I mean, the idea of Logan Ryan making $10 million a year, which again, great. I don't, I don't know the exact the guarantees on that yet i'm not sure they even come out i like logan ryan but it's 10 million dollars a year i think he's a really valuable piece and it's not 15 million you're not when you pay a guy that's not the best best money that's when i get a little bit worried when if you gave logan ryan a three-year 43 million dollar contract and you're giving him stefan gilmore money because you said we need a cornerback i'm paying whatever it takes to get a cornerback that's when i start to get worried but there's no way that more than 50% of that Logan Ryan deal is guaranteed. Right. So I also think the Titans are going to be good this year, FYI. That's kind of what I'm saying, is that their offense... Say that, Let's play hypotheticals. Let's say the Titans, and they've been rumored that to be in, the, in play for Dante Hightower as well. Let's say the Titans add Dante Hightower, Logan Ryan, and Jonathan Cyprian to their defense. Let's say they make the Brandon Cooks trade, which is possible money-wise when you spend all that money on defense because Brandon Cooks is really cheap for the next two years. Yep, Brandon Cooks on that offense, plus all the guys they would add on defense, that team is, and especially if the Texans don't figure out the quarterback situation, that's the best team in the AFC South pretty definitively. Yeah, look, if, if Houston doesn't get Tony Romo, Tennessee is my odds-on favorite. I, I like it. I mean, the Cooks trade I think, just, I think for me makes sense. To them. I love the roster in Jacksonville, but you just—if if Blake Bortles is their quarterback, I'm going to pass on that. Thanks. So sticking with Cooks a little bit, the Saints have made a bunch of moves in the last two days. Some higher profile than others. <laughs> they gave Larry Warford about the kind of deal I assumed he would get in the eight and a half million dollar range. You know, near top of the market guard money, but not extreme. I always Lombardi assume, loves that signing. I think it's really good. I think if you can get him at that price, it makes a lot of sense. And let's talk about the Saints offensive line for a second. You have left to right, Toronto Armstead, Andrews Pete, Max Unger, Larry Warford, Zach Streif. Pretty good. Okay, I'm good to go with that, man. 
You got a running game to kind of take a little bit off of Breeze as he gets older. Even if you get rid of Cooks, I still like the passing options that they have. I think that Michael Thomas is a really nice player. So, And they add Ted Ginn as that speed option. He's not as good as Cooks, obviously, but it's just something you can pencil in. You're not losing and take the top off guy. So I I enjoy it. I, I think that the teams bolstering their offensive lines. I wrote that this week. I think it's a safe way to spend in free agency. I think it's the best way to spend. And what the Browns have done, what the Saints just did, I have no problem with that. How many how many years do we have to go where Ted Ginn is, is a viable option? Until he gets slow. Which is when? I don't know. I, I have absolutely no it's idea. He's been in the league he, for a decade now. He, he could never catch. So right. it, that's not a concern. It's just when he gets slow. So... History has not smiled upon the great should the Dolphins draft Ted Ginn or Brady Quinn debate. <laughs> Were you covering the team at that point? I was. In, uh, no, I was in. So I was a junior in college when I started, or sophomore in college when I started covering them. But that was that was the, the training camp. So I missed the draft. I was there for Ginn's rookie year. I was there for Trent Green. I was there for Ronnie Brown being great for eight weeks and then tearing his ACL. I was. God, that was my freshman year of college. That's crazy. Yeah. No, I was a sophomore and uh, it was great. What oh, a man. team, the one in 15 Dolphins. <laughs> just, just what simple. a team to come up in to make Sim- a reporter as cynical as possible. Simple times. Oh, that's how you died. That, that's how your entire soul was sucked out of your body. Was Watching covering the one Cameron, in 15 Cameron Dolphins. Cameron Worrell and Randy Moss in one-on-one coverage was the moment I stopped. That was the last football play I watched. <laughs> oh, that makes total sense now. I, you're, I would love to see a Kevin Clark just superhero Genesis story, like how you got to this point. And that would be the, that would be the pivot a point. Lot of that luck. would be the radioactive spider. A lot of luck and uh, a lot of uh, Jesse Chapman interviews. <laughs> Cleo Lemon. <laughs> oh, that is a name I did not think I would hear today. I'll be honest with you. Uh, one more deal the Saints did that I, I like. Nick Fairley, four years, $30 million. I think Nick Fairley can play. Obviously, there's been some... He almost got in a hesitant. fight at Mardi Gras. I don't know if you saw that. We've all almost gotten a fight in Mardi Gras. I mean, that's just a, that's just a thing that happens. Fought, I'm looking at the headline right now. He almost fought R&B group Jagged Edge during Mardi Gras. I have no idea what that is. Am I supposed to know what that is? No, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I'll let the listener decide uh, if we should know who that is. Uh, four years, $30 million for Fairley. You know, that's mid-tier defensive tackle money, especially when guys like Andre Branch are getting $9 million a year to be a pretty mediocre defensive end. It's always been a concern about what Fairley would do if the team gave him big money. That's why no one has. But he's a good player. He's a good player when he's motivated, and the question is whether he's going to be. Yeah, I look, I, I think that you know the defensive tackle market is tricky. Um, we just talked about it with Dontari Poe. Uh, Fairly is a fine signing. I, what, what I find funny just about the Saints in general, I just want to say this, is that the Saints were capped out for the last 10 years, and then they got $20 million in cap room. Now they're just going to spend it in like three days. Yeah, that's exactly what's happened. They've signed like seven guys. That's great. All right, before we hit some of the lower profile signings that have happened in the last day or so, I want to talk to you guys about podcasts. All this month, we're asking you to tell a friend about a podcast they'll love. Right now, think of a friend, your mom, anyone you care about. What podcast would they really love? Got it? Now go do it. Tell them about it in real life or on social media. And if they don't know about podcasts, show them how to use them. Tell us what you recommend with the hashtag tripod, T-R-Y-P-O-D. Thanks for spreading the word. All right, let's get to, again, 
tangentially related, not even tangentially, very no. related to the best moment of yesterday's podcast. The tackle market has lost its fucking mind. And Classic. that continues. Classic tackle market. It, that continues with Russell Okung making about $11 million a year plus $23 million guaranteed, which is still less than Matt Khalil got from the Panthers. Let us remember this. Uh, teams just need these players, I guess, huh? I, I left tackles. There, there's no better thing to be right now than a left tackle hitting free agency. Well, we talked about it yesterday. There's no good tackle in the draft. I guess you could say this Garrett Bowles kid is good or whatever. But, like, there's not a, an athletic, great, surefire option in the first round or, or even second round. And so teams are panicking. But I just don't understand if you're the Panthers, how you think you can't get a better option than Khalil with $25 million guaranteed. Khalil's going to get traded to the Browns next year for with a first-round pick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Like, it's a really bad deal. Yeah, it, it's it's awful. And I think that the thing that sticks out to me is just that I don't understand why left tackles get paid that and right tackles don't anymore. I just don't understand why that market is so far apart. The idea that Russell Okung and Matt Khalil can get $11 million a year and $25 million guaranteed, and Rick Wagner, which we have another Mitchell Trubisky situation in our hands, by the way. No more Ricky Wagner. Don't call him Ricky. He's Rick Wagner. How does that I, guy I mentioned make... Rick Wagner so much. This is a very pivotal point in my life. I, I know you, you're the only guy who likes Rick Wagner more than me. So <laughs> I know this was important to point out yeah. to you. I think that guy can make about nine million a year, and we're giving. And he's Rick, Rick, Rick Wagner can play. He did have a good year last year. He was very good two years ago. We haven't seen that from Matt Khalil or Russell Okung in much longer than two years. So it, that just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. So I have a question. What's up, uh, what are the Baltimore Ravens doing? In what sense? I mean, just letting Rick Wagner go. I don't know. I feel like you could have kept him around. They probably could have, but they don't have a ton of money to work with. I mean, I know. they're near the bottom, of, and they wanted Brandon Williams back, apparently. I know. That defense in, Bo- in Baltimore has a chance to be pretty darn good next year. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I really, We talked about yesterday, I like the Tony Jefferson signing. Ladarius Webb has been jettisoned, which is fine. What do you think Webb's market's going to be? I think someone should take a flyer on him because he was pretty solid as a safety last year. You know, Ladarius Webb has that flexibility where he can cover and play safety. I know that they would never do it, but I feel like maybe he'd be a replacement for like a Micah Hyde who's who's played safety and and can do whatever. Spoiler alert, a lot of guys can't cover in the NFL. I think if you can do one thing well, you can fit on a team, and I think think Webb can can cover. And, you know, he's last year was his first year at safety, really. He made the move. Obviously, the thing with Ladarius Webb is health. So oh, he's yeah. never been a guy that's been able to stay on the field. But it's not like Ladarius Webb's 35. Ladarius Webb is 31. He was solid last season. If you're a team that needs safety help, I, I wouldn't mind taking a flyer on him for not a lot of money whatsoever. What are the Packers going to do with safety? Without Your Micah safety? Hyde? Well, he was more of a flexible piece anyway. They yeah. still have Burnett. They still have Clinton Dix. Yeah, Clinton Dix is there. They lose flexibility by losing Hyde. That's what you lose. He's a slot corner in situations. He's able to play safety in a pinch. He's a guy that makes your defense much more flexible, gives you options. Same reason that the Patriots would bring back a guy like Deron Harmon. Just a guy that allows you to do a ton of different things. The Packers are doing Packers stuff, man. They re-signed Nick Perry for a below-market deal. They're probably going to let TJ Lang walk. So they're going to, you know, not overpay for guys. They're going to bring back guys that are their own, and they're not going to sign anybody outside of the building. 
Welcome to Ted Thompson's world. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. I, it's it's really strange to me that we go through this every year. And I think if, if you look at some of the Packer writers, it's it's the funny trope of all these fans saying, why isn't Ted Thompson going to do something? Meanwhile, they've made the playoffs like eight straight years. See, I'm not I'm not on that train. Aaron Rodgers is their quarterback. I, I know Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers. Wait, I, I'm I'm not I'm not sure where you're going with this. Are you saying that they make the playoffs because Aaron Rodgers is a quarterback? I'm saying if you don't make the playoffs with Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, you're fucking up. Well, that almost happened last year. I think Ted Thompson has done a remarkable job in many ways. The drafting he has done at some of those spots is absurd. What they've been able to pick on the offensive line from fourth rounders, even the deal they gave Bakhtiari. And how insanely good the I know we talk about how the market changes from year to year. That's fine. But the deal they gave Bakhtiari now to have him for the next four years, the price tag they do, is ridiculous. They do that stuff. They and the same thing goes for Bulaga, by the way. Their bookend tackles make like seven and a half million dollars a year each. Yep. And they're good. So they do that kind of stuff. He's very good at certain things. But I do think that seeing free agency as this Avoid at all costs evil is outdated thinking. I, that's, I just do. The Patriots spent $15 million a year on Stephon Gilmore. Are the yeah. Patriots worse at this than the Packers? Yeah, but the Patriots have done this before. They went out and got a Dallas Thomas. You know, they, 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 it's, not, they, it's not like the Patriots had a strict, like, we're not going to do this rule. They've been doing it for over a decade. I don't know. I think that's overstating it. They haven't signed many big name guys outside of their building. The Adelius Thomas thing was over yeah, 10 but years I ago. I mean, look, I know I understand that, but even Chris Hogan last year at five per, I mean, five per is for nothing. For, no, I understand that, but I mean, it's Ted Tom, who, who's Ted Thompson going out and getting for five per? It was Jared Cook for a year. Right, and he's gone now. They, they, yeah. have, they have Hogan for four years. It, it is kind of strange, and I, you kind of sensed it, it that. There was some frustration on Rogers' part, and why wouldn't there be? I mean, you see teams going out and doing everything they can to improve, and the Packers just don't do that. They're good. They're the way they do things is good. It, it works for them. They have a fantastic team building strategy. They also have thirty three million dollars in cap room and aren't using it. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. That, that's no, where I'm I agree. Look, Aaron Rodgers made the comment. Oh, we need to, we need to, you know, go all in and stuff like that. I think there's a happy medium between what they do. I mean, I think the Casey Hayward thing, in retrospect, was 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 maybe not the guy to let go since he intercepted every pass in San Diego last year. Um, and I think maybe Micah Hyde is the type of depth that they need around. Um, but I'm I'm going to err on the side of of they can draft and develop these guys. I totally agree, but it, I still understand the frustration on Packers fans' part, especially in in a market where there's so much money, and you can go make one or two moves. I just I'm, and people are going to want to play with Rodgers, by the way. Yeah. FYI. I don't know. I mean, you can bring back your own guys for less. Is there a chance that you can go get somebody else for less? The answer maybe no. I'm sure they make these phone calls. They're not incompetent. But it still seems like there just is more to be had in the free agent market for them than they typically come away with. Yeah, especially, I mean, look, I think that the free agent market has changed a little bit and that we've seen a number of teams go out and spend huge amounts of money and it actually works. Yeah. Whether that's Denver, whether that's even the Giants last year. I think that free agency has evolved to the point that it's not just other teams' mistakes that are hitting the open market. So I think that 
I think there's a little bit of wiggle room, but again, I'm I'm okay going the Ted Thompson route as well. Yeah, I no, you're right, and you know, just it's little things. You know, the fact that Julius Peppers is gone now. You know, they just they seem to lose this kind of depth and rely on their ability to draft it in order to overcome it, and that, they usually do. But it's just it's something we see all the time. And the fact that Peppers is going back to Carolina, by the way, I love that so much. Oh hell yeah. I, I love that so, so much. The idea of Julius Peppers ending his career in that uniform as a guy who can help that team in a way they need it. I mean, there's just another competent pass rusher who can play inside. The Him, K1 Short, Charles Johnson, and Mario Addison, it's not bad. I mean, you yeah. can play with that. With Latu- That's in pass rush situations. Obviously, Latula is there, but that's a group of guys that can get after the quarterback a little bit in cheap ways. They didn't go out and spend big on a pass rusher. They brought Addison back on a modest deal. I mean, I like the way they spent their money on that side of the ball. I just wish I liked the way they spent it on the other side of the ball. <laughs> Maybe Peppers can play offensive tackle as well. Uh, just a couple more kind of house cleaning things here. Uh, the secondary pass rush market is kind of what's going right now. William Hayes got traded to the Dolphins yesterday for really nothing. No. I mean, he's a competent player. So I like Miami getting a little bit of depth there with him. It kind of overcomes that weird deal they gave Andre Branch that I will never understand. But And then the Colts signed John Simon. And that doesn't seem like a we have to talk about this kind of signing. The Colts needed a pass rusher so desperately bad that I it actually does matter. They really did need to go get a guy like this. Kind of the same way that the Bears really needed to sign Prince of Mukamura for a year. <laughs> I like that Mukamura deal. I really like it. And after you missed out on every single other... It's not as if... this. I, I love this. This notion that the Bears are trying to like find bargains and that's where you get a Mukamura. The Bears were all in on a, a AJ, Bo- AJ Boye and... Stephon Gilmore yesterday. Maybe they weren't like as you know, fifteen million in, but they were in conversations with both of these guys that apparently were real. It's not as if the Bears were like digging through the clearance rack. They missed out on guys and needed to do something else. Yeah, I, I they were trying to load up. I mean, we talked about yesterday, but I mean, like they're trying to save their jobs there, and and, yes. and, and those expensive veterans are how you get to seven wins. And I wrote this when I said what unit could be next year's Falcons out of nowhere to be really good. And I said the Bears defense in the sense that their front seven is going to be good if they're healthy. Just full stop. There's enough talent there that that group is going to be really formidable. The secondary is a mess. And if they could have gotten some quick fix options in free agency, I think that's a group that could have gotten very good very fast. But when you miss out on those guys, it's a completely different story. Hey, Robert Griffin III was just released. What was your greatest moment for him on the Browns? It was either... Oh, um, um. <laughs> I was going to break into this long thing about the opener against the Saints. Mm, and don't care. He had, he don't care. Really, I'm Browns he only. Re- he had that really long touchdown run that one game down the sideline. I think it was against the Vikings. Mm, don't care. The Robert Griffin Browns years were like, you know, for you, maybe like, you know, Jason Newstead's just terrible post Metallica bands. Flotsam and Jetsam. Flotsam and Jetsam and Voivod. That was the other one. I saw Voivod live once. Are you joking? No. It's just one of those things where you stumble into a metal show that somebody asked you to go to and Jason Newstead's band is there. You didn't know they were going to be there. You you sought out the Jason Newstead post Metallica band. Even as someone who very much defends Jason Newstead, that was not the case. 
I don't believe this. I I, I, I am challenging your official story. You knew that Vovoid was coming to town. Voivod is, was coming to town, and you were all in. This is excellent, by the way, as I sit on Flotsam and Jetsam's Wikipedia page. Flotsam and Jetsam was once known as Paradox, Dreadlocks with an X, and Dogs with a Z. Those are their three other names. Echo Brain? Echo Brain was another thing, yes! This is, this is just a really good Wikipedia page. <laughs> All right, um... I, I don't. I think that we've gotten the, to the Jason Newstead portion of the program. That's all I really have to oh, wait, say. Wait, wait. I'm sorry. I didn't scroll down all the way. Uh, the Panthers signed Jason Newstead to a $25 million contract. Even with all tackle. those neck problems, it's not shocking at all. <laughs> oh, man. He was in Flotsam and Jetsam before he was in Metallica, though. That's the thing. That was his old band. And then he was in Voivod later. And then also Echo Brain. We stopped recording like 30 minutes ago, Mace. Am I getting this wrong? <laughs> I don't care. Maybe I, maybe I got this wrong. I know I saw one of the Jason Newstead bands. I can't remember which one it was, which even is more proof that I did not see them on purpose. All right. That's all I got, man. Yeah, I, I can tell. <laughs> uh, we'll be back next week uh, on Tuesday, I believe. We're going to hit whatever big news comes out. I'll, we'll talk about it off the top, but we're going to get into our draft coverage. I mean, it's going to sneak up before you know it. So... We're going to start digging into some of the individual positions, but if something big happens, we will definitely be around to talk about it. So as always, really appreciate you guys listening and talk to you later.